Today is part two of what we started last week, which was what is the real value of your estate? Stay tuned. This is Thrive 1110 with Bold Care A of Bold Care Financial, guiding you toward business success and bringing clarity to personal finance. This is Thrive 1110. Welcome to Thrive 1110. This is the show where you get Bible-friendly, practical tips on business and money so that you can thrive. And as you thrive, remember the Lord your God who enables you, who empowers you to prosper and be an agent of transformation in your community and in your city. My name is Bold Kere. I'm your host. And uh, you can catch up on previous episodes of Thrive 1110 by going on chri.ca or on the website thrive1110.ca that's thrive1110.ca and uh, you can also find this podcast on Spotify and uh, Apple Podcast. So today we are uh, continuing on the subject we started actually a few weeks back and uh, last week I dived in into a more more technical part of estate planning, just trying to give you a sense of what the real value of your estate is when we consider the different assets that you might have in your estate and how those assets are dealt with uh, in regards to the current tax law. And again, before I continue, I want to stress the point that this is really high level information, general information. It is not intended to be a financial or tax or legal advice for you particularly. I could even end up being wrong. And obviously, all what I'm seeing is in light of what we know now. Things can change tomorrow and uh, everything that I say today may not even be valid. So um, you always want to make sure that you consult with your financial advisors, with your legal advisors before implementing anything um, for your specific estate. Obviously, if you don't know where to turn towards, who to talk to, um, you can reach out to me, uh, bold at thrive1110.com or go to thrive1110.ca and um, reach out to me through the form that is in there and I will um, see how I can be of service, how I can be of help to you. Um, if you are a supporter and you support financially CHRI, uh, there is an option for you to actually have an overview of your estate completely for free. So reach out reach out um, to uh, to me, bold at thrive1110.com or um, thrive1110.ca. Go to the website thrive1110.ca and send me a message from there. So last week, um, we talked about uh, your personal house. We talked about um, maybe a secondary property with, that could be a cottage or a rental property. We talked about life insurance. We talked about tax-free savings account, or that is a TFSA. And today we are going to continue with other types of assets in your um, estate and how those assets uh, would be dealt with in light of tax and what opportunities um, uh, lay before you with those assets. Bold. Let's get practical. Yes, let's get practical. So I'm going to start with the RRSP. 
Um, and uh, if you don't know what the RRSP is, it's a retirement savings plan. It's a registered retirement savings plan. And um, normally, uh, you can have RRSPs until the end of the year in which you turn 71. After that, you um, have to convert your RRSPs. Uh, it is mandated that you convert your word, um, sorry, your um, RSPs into RIFs. That's a, a, reg a registered retirement income fund. So if you are uh, 72 and older, you most likely don't have RSPs and you, you probably have um, RIFs instead of RSPs. So talking about RRSPs, this is what um, the current law says in terms of tax for your RSPs. And just um, um, a quick note to say that in Canada, there's, there's no estate tax per se. There's no um, um, estate tax, like a tax that applies to your entire estate, regardless of which assets you have. There's no such thing. Um, it, it got changed back in um, um, 1971 and uh, started being enforced, I believe, in 1972. So uh, since then, instead of having an estate tax, so a, a single tax that applies to the entire estate, your estate um, actually is taxed based upon each asset that composes your estate. And like I said last week, we talked about uh, some of these assets already. You can catch, catch up on that by listening to a previous episode. And now let me continue on with the RRSP. So when um, death occurs, so when you pass and you have a spouse, normally your RRSP would go to your spouse without having to do anything with your will, provided you named your spouse as a beneficiary inside your RRSP. So you want to name your spouse, if you're married, as a beneficiary inside your RRSP. That way, when you pass, your RSP just flows over, the technical term is rolls over to your spouse, um, no tax, no will, it's really a simple process and your spouse inherits uh, from whatever um, was in your RSPs and it doesn't take up any room in their RSPs. Uh, the same applies to RIFs if you're over, if you're over age 72. So, um, Name your spouse as a beneficiary in your uh, RSP or in your RIF so that it can be rolled over to your spouse when you pass. Now, along with naming your spouse as a beneficiary, you can actually name secondary beneficiaries or contingent beneficiaries. And that is if the primary, um, who is your spouse, uh, predeceases you, and you haven't made changes to your RSP, by default, it will go to whoever you have named as beneficiaries, as secondary beneficiaries or contingent beneficiaries. So if you have children or you're considering charity um, that you want um, whatever is left in your RSPs to go to um, after your spouse, or if your spouse is, uh, is not there when you pass, then you can name them as secondary or contingent beneficiaries. Um, it doesn't mean that um, your children or even your spouse as the primary beneficiary or the charity has any control on your RSPs or your RIFs. It just means that 
when you pass, it goes to whoever you named as primary beneficiary. And if that primary beneficiary is not there, it goes to the secondary ones or the contingent ones. And um, you can determine which percentage, which uh, uh, secondary beneficiary gets, etc. So at the first death, if you have a surviving spouse, no tax, no problem. Now, if you don't have a spouse to whom you can pass on your, your RSP or your RIF, and it goes to your children, and your children are not um, dependent on you financially, meaning um, uh, they, are, they are not disabled or anything like that. Uh, you're not taking care of them because there is a specific definition for a child being dependent on you in the eyes um, of uh, CRA. So if your children are adults, what happens is that um, the government or the tax man considered as though you withdrew every single penny out of your RIF or your RSP before passing. So the consequence of that is that you end up having a bump in your final tax return, a bump in income. So for example, let's say you had 100,000 left in your RIF or in your RSP when you pass. There's no spouse that this goes to uh, on the basis of a rollover principle, meaning you had not named any spouse or if you had named one, uh, they predeceased you and there's no, um, um, there's no, you didn't remarry or anything like that. So what happens is, that 100,000, when you pass, is added to whatever income you had uh, gained or earned in the year of death. So let's say the death, death happened uh, June 30th, and um, from January 1st in that year, all the way till June 30th, you had gained or earned a, a 50,000 um, income, and uh, you still had 100,000 in your RIF or in your RSP. All of a sudden, your income is now 150000 and that creates a huge tax uh, uh, bump. So what you think you'd be leaving to your children who are adults and not financially dependent on you, well, will be reduced by the tax amount that is owed. Uh, so you have to be aware of that, of that tax consequence of leaving RSPs to your children or any other person who is not your spouse, because there's a tax consequence in the sense where the entirety of what's left in your RSP is considered as an income, and you can end up being in a much higher tax bracket, um, therefore increasing your tax, so the tax in your estate uh, which in turn reduces the amount that you really wanted to give to your beneficiaries. Um, when you donate to charity, uh, that principle doesn't change, except now that you have donated to charity, you get a tax um, a donation receipt that you can use to lower your taxes, maybe in certain cases offset your taxes. So giving to charity as a beneficiary um, doesn't um, nullify the fact that um, the tax is triggered, but it opens, it gives you a, a donation receipt which you can use to now offset the tax. So it's like making a trade off. 
instead of donating money to the government in the form of tax, so instead of making that type of donation, forced donation, you are actually deciding where your money goes by picking a charity or a group of charities, um, uh, which in turn will help you um, reclaim those tax credits. So your 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 estate will end up getting a tax refund because of the donation. So beware of that. Now, after the RSP, let me move on to uh, uh, non-registered investments. So that these are investments that are not in your RSPs. Um, and uh, by RSPs, same thing as RIFs. And if you have Liras, same principle. Lira, locked in RSPs, same family, same principles. So if you have investments that are not inside those types of accounts, not inside TFSAs, uh, most likely they are non-registered investments. And those can be um, individual stocks that you bought uh, some time ago, mutual funds or any other type of uh, uh, securities like that, which you own, um, that are not inside your, your tax-free savings accounts or RSP. So the same principle of capital gains apply here. So let's say you invested, you had bought stocks or mutual funds back then, uh, outside again, outside of those TFSAs, RSPs. Um, and when you bought it, it was, let's say, 50000 making easy numbers here. And uh, by the time you pass, uh, you are up to 100000 So it grew that much. Um, the difference between your initial investment or what you have invested in total, which is called the adjusted cost base, and um, the value of the investment when you pass, which is called the fair market value, uh, is that difference is the capital gain. So you went from 50000 in your original investment. Now it's become 100000 The growth there is 50000 That is called capital gain. And half of that, so 50% of that currently is taxable. So in this case, 25000 would be included in the income of the deceased, um, so in the final tax return for tax purposes. So again, if you have those types of assets, you need to be aware of that tax implication when you decide to donate it to someone. And there are many other things that Obviously, I can't go into those types of details right now. Uh, it would be too complicated and uh, not suitable for a general uh, podcast. But if you have questions, you want to have clarity regarding your personal situation, don't hesitate to reach out to me so that I can see how I can uh, best serve you. So that's the that's the, the thing with non-registered investments, stocks, mutual funds, etc., that are not inside RSPs and TFSAs. There is tax on 50% of the capital gain. And I just explained what the capital gain means in this uh, instance. Now, you might say, well, but I want to donate this to charity. Um, so I'll sell, I'll have my executor sell these investments and donate the money to charity. Same principle will apply. The moment the investments are sold, it triggers the capital gain, um, the so-called capital gains tax. And yes, you'll donate what's left to charity in order to get the donation receipt and claim some, some tax credits. So recover on some of the taxes that uh, were due. 
But there's a better way to go about this. You can actually donate to charity in kind, provided the charity accepts donations in kind. And if the charity does not accept uh, uh, does not accept donations in kind, you can actually use a foundation that accepts these types of donations and maybe instruct the foundation to donate the proceeds of your gift to that specific charity that um, you had in mind. That can sound very complicated, but let me break it down a bit. So um, instead of selling your investments or uh, instructing your executor to sell the investments and donate proceeds to charity, what you want to do is rather, um, what you could do is rather instruct the executor to donate the investments as is without selling them. So that is called a donation in kind. When you do that, what happens is that the capital gain tax that I talked about earlier does no longer apply. It's, it's pardoned. Not only that, but you still get the benefit of using the full value of the donation receipt. So there's a double advantage if you have non-registered investments that have grown in value over time for which you're not paying taxes every year. So meaning you have unrealized capital gains. Sorry for that technical term there. Um, This is a wonderful opportunity to make a donation, even while you're living actually. Um, Talk with your advisor, see if that strategy could apply to you. To make a donation in kind from your non-registered investments because it it, it nullifies the capital gain tax that would otherwise have uh, been triggered here. But in addition to that, you get to use the full value of the the donation receipt. So that's um, as far as non-registered investments are concerned for your personal uh, finances. Now, let's imagine for a moment that those non-registered investments, you uh, you are a business owner, you're an entrepreneur, and these stocks or mutual funds are held inside your corporation. So they belong to your corporation. Um, you can do the same. The benefits differ a bit, but they are also considerable. So in the same situation where you had invested fifty thousand, that is now a hundred thousand. If you donated that um, that like these stocks or investments in kind, that entire hundred thousand you can now deduct it from the business's income. So there, there's a tax benefit. Secondly, because the capital gains tax is offset, is pardoned, the entire capital gain amount, which is in this case, in this example, I took 50000 is credited to what is called your CDA, the capital dividend account. It's just a notional, a fictional account um, in your um, corporation from where you can pay yourself money. So you can take money from the, the CDA, the capital dividend account of your corporation to yourself. So you can pay yourself money from your corporation, um, the, the CDA of your corporation to yourself completely tax-free. So what happens when you donate um, um, 
stocks like that from your corporation is that you deduct the amount of donation from your corporation's income, but your CDA, so the capital dividend account of your corporation, gets credited with the full capital gain amount, which is 50000 It means that you now can pay yourself out of the corporation a $50,000 amount without having to pay any personal tax on that 50000 That's getting a bit more into some type of fin- uh, advanced tax planning stuff. But just to, um, to let you know that there are ways and tools that are, are available within our tax current tax law that will make donating to uh, charities attractive um, and uh, it'll both benefit the kingdom and your business and yourself. So um, these are things that you might want to consider. Again, you don't have to know about all of these things. All of this is general information. It is not a financial advice to you. And um, if you want more details and see how all of this could apply to your situation, don't hesitate to reach out and I will um, serve you in that regards. Now, you can also donate private shares of a, of a business. So um, if you are a corporate uh, a business owner um, and it's incorporated, so you have shares that you want to donate. So you want to donate shares of that private business to charity, for example, as part of your estate planning. Uh, there are ways to do that. It's a little bit more complicated, so I won't get into those details. But these things are available to you as well. And you might want to consider that. Sit with an estate planner, um, reach out and, uh, and uh, see how all of that can be applied to your specific situation. Um, let me quickly backtrack a bit because uh, it's important to notice that all what I'm saying now mainly applies to Canada, on like all provinces of Canada except the province of Quebec, that has some slightly different rules, okay? Um, and uh, obviously, we can't cover everything. Uh, for example, with the RSPs that, that I was talking about earlier, um, if you're in Quebec, you cannot name your spouse as a beneficiary in your RSP. Right, so it has to go through your will. So there are differences like that for Quebec. Um, so, but what I'm seeing here in general, um, if you're listening from Quebec, applies mostly uh, to the rest of Canada. It it would still apply to Quebec, but there there might be some um, details that are significant that you want to consult and make sure that you are okay. If you're listening to us from Quebec today. Now, I started talking about charity, um, charities, maybe. Uh, maybe you're thinking of several charities, different charities that you're considering, and uh, you want to name them in your will or as beneficiaries or secondary beneficiaries in your RSPs or RIFs, etc. Um, what happens is you're not sure if these are the charities that you'll keep, uh, that you'll still want to give to, uh, in the terms you might want to add more charities and reshuffle how much each charity gets, etc. Uh, one of the easiest ways to deal with charitable giving in an estate is to use a private foundation. Uh, 
You don't have to create a foundation. You don't have to go about creating your own foundation. Using a private foundation can be as simple as naming an already existing one. For example, the Canadian National Christian Foundation, which is based out of Ottawa here. Um, It's called CNCF. That stands for the Canadian National Christian Foundation. You can name them instead of naming each and every single charity in your estate, like in your will or in your accounts. So what happens when you name a foundation because you're considering several charities or you, your mind is not set or it might change down the road, etc. When you name that foundation, you now um, write what is called a letter of direction. And in that letter of direction, that's where you specify, like you name all the charities that you want to give monies to. And um, what happens when you pass is that all the money that you intended for charities would go to that foundation. Example, CNCF in this case. And CNCF would pick up your letter of direction and distribute the monies according to what is in your letter of direction. So if you end up wanting to change the charities in there, all you need to do is write a new letter of direction and send it to that foundation. Instead of having to go back in your will and change the beneficiaries in your will in the case where you had named all of these charities in your will, um, which will incur costs, etc., all you'll need to do in this case when you use a foundation is to give them a letter of direction, which doesn't cost you nothing other than maybe the mail. And uh, whenever you want, you write up a new letter of direction and send it to that charity. So um, I wanted to briefly mention that so you you have an idea of how um, some of your main assets in your estate would be taxed. And what are the things that you could do, especially using charitable giving to kill two birds with one stone, which is uh, bless the kingdom of God, advance um, um, the Great Commission, and at the same time, save on taxes. Um, So I hope you you were able to get a sense of that. Uh, Very quickly, before we get to the end of um, the the episode today, I said I would touch uh, on probate. What probate is, is simply a process that has to be undertaken by your executor, most likely with the help of a legal professional, uh, when you pass. So when you pass, your executor will have to obviously be in charge of your estate, make sure everything that you wanted happening through your will happens exactly as, as you intended it to. But the executor cannot just go to the bank, for example, and say, hey, you know what, uh, um, this so-and-so passed and I'm the executor, this is the will, so I need to, to take care of the estate. That would be a huge mistake from the bank, even if the will is seems legit, to just go ahead and, and, and make these transactions. Instead, what the executor would need to do is um, initiate that probate process. It's, it's a process in which um, um, there's a, a filing at the court, at the local court. Um, and 
what will happen is that there will be investigations to make sure that the will is the latest will, that there are not other notes or wills elsewhere conflicting with that will, etc., etc., um, that the will is not being challenged, all of these good things. Um, and that process, like I said in the previous episode, can take months, even years in some cases. But at the end of that, your executor is granted um, a certificate that they can now take and um, use it to enforce their role as executor wherever they go. Um, so that probate process is there. There are some fees associated with that. Um, and Ontario is one of the provinces where those fees are the highest. But again, not to panic about that. Um, and there are strategies that you want, you might want to explore to see how you can maybe bypass probate and, uh, and minimize those fees. Um, so, yeah, so this is a quick note on probate. Again, estate planning is a very vast subject. And I didn't even touch on the point that um, you might want to consider what you can do while you're living to see and enjoy the benefits of your inheritance in the lives of those that it impacts, be it your children or charity, etc. Um, there are ways to explore what you can do even while you're living uh, instead of waiting to do all of that in the estate. So you can do it. Don't sit on it. Take action. Contact someone, your advisor, whoever, or contact me, bold, at thrive1110.com or go to the website thrive1110.ca and reach out to me through the form that is on there. It's in your hands. We'll support you. So take courage and do it. I know you can do it. This is Thrive 1110. We've been covering estate planning for the past few weeks. And uh, next week, we're most likely going to move on to another topic. I invite you to tune in at the same place, same hour, uh, 9 a.m. on CHRI. And catch it all throughout all the various media, chri.ca, thrive1110.ca, Spotify, Apple Podcast. And um, meanwhile, stay well. This is Bold, and you've been listening to Thrive 1110. When honest people prosper, the whole city celebrates. Thrive 1110. To learn more or to connect with Bold, go to thrive1110.ca.